Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, it's Jay. Real quick before the episode begins, I had some catastrophic audio issues while recording this one. I think I cleaned it up as best I could, but I didn't want to scrap today's episode because I think today's guest had some great insight and I enjoyed our discussion a lot. So thank you for bearing with the slight audio hiccups today and things will be fixed for next time. But without further ado, please enjoy my discussion with Berto on M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. For today's review, my guests and I revisit M. Night Shyamalan's first foray into the found footage genre with 2015's The Visit, where a brother and sister visit their estranged grandparents out in the Pennsylvania countryside. Though once they arrive, their grandparents' behavior becomes increasingly worrisome. And once again, to help me unpack another of M. Night Shyamalan's suspense-riddled works is returning friend of the show, Berto. Welcome back, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk about this one with you today because the last two that we've talked about have been very traditional and they're very classic M. Night Shyamalan movies, right? Which was Signs Mm -hmm. and The Village, even though those movies obviously are very different in terms of the topic or the subject matter. His still very iconic approach to movies is very evident in those, right? And so the yeah. visit, I think, is probably his most drastic, dr- most drastically different work, ever. Yeah, I think it's probably. I feel like his, it's his most realistic out of all the movies he's made. Because like, it's not like oh they're just holding, they're they're in a village and in modern time. Like it's kind of hard to cover that up. And also, aliens is not quite <laughs> in, in the mix in the world nowadays. But I feel like the plot twist to this whole movie and this movie in general i think is the most realistic out of those two um that we've done yeah of his series i guess absolutely and i think that also it's important to kind of remember the time period in his career when this movie came out in 2015. so the first two films that we had talked about they're very much kind of the basis of a lot of his success right and the reason why he was so prevalent in the early 2000s but then after the village i'm pretty sure everybody can agree for the most part his track record gets a little shaky, right? His, yeah. He has a monumental success on his hands for the most part. And then obviously that's going to attract bigger budgets, bigger studios, bigger names involved. And that's when he doesn't have the best kind of track record because we have films that are either bombs or critical failures. So we've got Lady in the Water, The Happening, which is a personal yeah. one that I can't stand, uh, The Last Airbender, <laughs> yeah. and After Earth. And so... Those were all films that, of course, the budget is bigger and he becomes a bigger name and he gets bigger actors. And yet they feel very disconnected from classic M. Night films. And that's in revisiting The Visit with all of that in mind, we've gotten past that and we've seen what he's done post The Visit. It really feels like this film redefined him or it kind of brought him back to baseline M. Night Shyamalan in a lot of ways. Like this was his lowest budgeted studio film that he made for $5 million. And I mean, the way that he got the money was he took a loan out against like his estate to produce the film. And so the reason that he wanted to self-produce, I guess, was because he wanted to avoid losing the artistic control that he did not have on those past few films. Well, it was definitely worth it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I think the most surprising thing is just how well the film holds up as a found footage movie because originally like back in the day when it was announced he was going to try to get into found footage that was a big red flag for me because a lot of found footage like the genre itself was very kind of oversaturated especially after 
like Paranormal Activity and all of these films came out that it just, it felt like the quality, it was more of a quantity versus quality thing in a lot of ways. What did you think about going into this film and just kind of being aware that it was found footage, even on a rewatch? I think I think it fits great with the story and the movie in general. And I honestly feel like this is definitely his best. I feel like this movie deserves to, or at least it should have came out in the times where he had his, in his prime. It feels like it took him right back. Like you said, he took out a loan, so he has more control over the production of it. So I think it was definitely worth the investment in, in putting himself in debt for that because it is, it's probably my favorite movie in his most recent last 10 years, I would say, other than Split, which I think was pretty good. But um, I haven't seen Lady in the Water, but this one, The Visit, I think is by far the best one in the last 10 years. And and I really, I kind of, I like the fact that they had the kids, that style of documentary. I think it fits so well with the story and just the way it's filmed. Like, <clears throat> yeah, sometimes those documentary style can get very shaky, but I thought they did a great job at this. Like there were some scenes where, yeah, the kids were running and you can see there's a lot of shaking, but overall I thought it was a great balance of that. Having a steady film, um, I guess steady image and the shakiness of the film. Yeah, that was definitely something that surprised me on a revisit was how well it holds up as a found footage film, right? Because going into it, I was kind of wary originally just because this idea of like, okay, it's M. Night Shyamalan. He hasn't been able to replicate a lot of the kind of supernatural magic that he was able to put into a lot of his early films. Now he's going into a completely new subgenre and filmmaking style. And my biggest worry was whether a lot of his kind of traditional cinematic style and aesthetic was gonna to translate to a first person perspective. And like you said, I was really pleased to see that the film is not a ton of shaky cam, right? And if anything, yeah, it's probably one of the most stagnant in terms of just camera stability of any found footage film I've seen. And it's a testament to not only the way that the film is kind of manufactured, but also like the way that he wrote it. There aren't many scenes where it's the kids like running for their life. You know what I mean? And that's usually right. one of the yeah. big problems with found footage films that I've had is that, I don't know, you find out like 45 or 50% of the movie is somebody running from something. It's like, well, maybe that's not the best series of events if somebody is showing us a film from a handheld perspective. But where does this movie kind of rank for you amongst other found footage movies that you've seen? I, I mean, I think the Blair Witch Project was the other one that I've seen in that style. Um, I don't think I have I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think I've seen many found footage. I don't know what, I can't think of any, but at least for me, this is definitely based on the story and everything. I think it's definitely my favorite one because I'm not crazy about Blair Witch. I, I thought like you're saying, like it's very shaky. I feel like that the style was cool because I think it was one of the first movies that was filmed in that style of found footage. And, but overall, I feel like it's just very shaky, very unsteady because the actors actually held the camera. So I guess that would be that sense of realistic. But for me, it just seems like it was kind of hard to keep up with what's going on in the in the image and like what you were looking at. But overall, I thought for me, The Visit, it's definitely my favorite found footage style. Yeah, I would definitely rank it up there. And it's one that I'm surprised a lot of people don't bring up in conversation about found footage a lot of the time, because again, a lot of the time found footage movies have to deal with like documenting a haunting or something like that. Right. And yeah. rather in this, it's more grounded. It's probably his most grounded film. And I think you said that. Yeah. It's definitely a grounded film. And so in the long run, I feel it's a lot scarier than most found footage films. Because again, those movies, they're either involved with monsters or there's a haunted house or something to that effect. Or 
in like in Cloverfield, there's like a monster destroying a city or something like that. Mm -hmm. But in this, yeah. oh yeah, that it's one. just about praying. It's about kids being preyed upon by elderly people. And I mean, I rewatched this the other night, and I had trouble sleeping after that because I was <laughs> yeah. so uncomfortable. Just based on the, it's kind of like the moments, the early mo or the later moments in uh, Hereditary. They kept me up at night. Mm. That's a supernatural movie, yeah. but that scene where Tony Colletti is just running around the house chasing the kid oh, before God. she's levitating and stuff like that's terrifying. And especially yeah. in the kind of final moments of the film when everything unravels, those scenes stuck with me in a way that had they not been portrayed in a first person perspective, kind of like putting you in the character's shoes, I don't know if they would have been as effective for me. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, now that you bring that up, that was a, that's a, definitely one of those scenes in Hereditary that kind of kept me up a couple of nights. Um, but no, definitely that in this movie, I think it it for me it even helps um, the movie itself um, just to give it that more realistic um, look to the movie. Because like sometimes I feel like we are so used to watching movies through a director's lens, but now we kind of get to see the movie through the kid's eyes point of view and, and what they're seeing. And I don't know, to me, I, I like that style. I think it fits very well with the story itself. And yeah, it's a, it, for me, it's a, it's a good choice for in his point of view of kind of like stepping out of his, I feel like he stepped out kind of outside of his comfort zone. Cause this is his first, first kind of movie that we get to see him do in this style and i think he nailed it for being his first time yeah which is i mean it's even more incredible on a re on a revisit because you're just like yeah man this really holds up well and i do have some criticisms of it which we'll get into later but i mean overall it's you would think that this is like his third his third go at a found footage film and just the way that he's able to cut down on a lot of the fat and kind of normal pitfalls of found footage movies and kind of just tell very clearly the story he wants to tell and then incorporate scares that are crafted around this subgenre and the uniqueness of the format of this style of film i think again it's it's very impressive and it surprises me that i haven't heard more people talking about this film but in mentioning the kids and seeing the story through their lens and their eyes essentially what uh what is would you what is your take on the kids and their performances because you have becca and you have her brother um tyler we were played by Olivia yeah. De Jong and Ed Oxenbold. Yeah, I honestly I love Tyler. Tyler's I think he's so funny and his character is great. It's just like this little kid that wants to be a rapper, which I think I find it very uncomfortable when he raps. It's just so like you're just like, dude, please don't do this right now. Like you're embarrassing yourself. But his character is so funny. I think he there's certain points in the movie where they're kind of like realizing they're grandpa is a kind of lunatics and he's like our, our grandpa is a psycho and our and our grandma turns into michael myers at night like it's just like such a i don't know for that that cracked me up so much and i don't know his character is great I, he really brings into like this movie like the lighter side of things he doesn't like becca is more of a serious she's kind of more a grown kind of teen and she brings the seriousness and actual scare and tyler's more of like this nerdy geeky funny kid and i think it's a great balance which adds little comedy moments into the series movie and i think it's a good fit for it. yeah absolutely and they i think those two characters and especially tyler they serve as his as m night Shyamalan's just ability to insert humor into everything he does um and i think that the humor it really does a good job of balancing it out and kind of capturing and instilling this idea that 
this film is not being told like the other ones because it has kids in it again, but the kids are the main characters. They're the protagonists. And so we never lose sight of the fact that these are two kids who are dealing with some, some like real world trauma where their father has left them. He's left to go start another family. And it's like, that is a lot to weigh down on the kids on top of them being preyed upon by these lunatics. And so the humor here, I think is really imperative in kind of finding a good balance for, I think most of the film, this is what I also wanted to ask you is how you think overall M Night put humor into the film and whether it was always as successful as maybe he intended it to be. I think, I think he nailed it for me um, because like the humor is very subtle and, and, and it's a cert, like a little burst and that's it. Like it doesn't carry on into like, it doesn't, to me, it didn't feel like the characters were forced to put humor into it. So it kind of flows perfectly. Um, Tyler's, I mean, he's the funnier ones out of, out of both of them, uh, of Becca and him. Um, to me, it just seems like he's very natural at it. So it just doesn't, it fits perfect. Um, like I said, it just isn't. It doesn't feel forced to me. I think it's a great balance between it because everybody else around Tyler is so serious, and and just him being that one kind of, I guess, bright star in that sense that he's just very funny guy. Um, I think it, it adds a perfect balance. Yeah. So I think he does a great job with the humor in terms of like inserting it through the kids. Right. You have that scene where either Tyler is like rapping, or he's when they're walking through the woods, he's like imitating his grandmother running around oh, the house yeah. with their hands behind her back like morpheus mocking her and then the camera cuts and you see her staring at them kind of observing and right injecting humor through the characters like that i think is really great but m night even though there's all of this entirely new storytelling format his kind of quirkiness and humor is still there and it's still present like one of my favorite bits in the movie is when the grandfather is tucking them in in the first night or he's saying good night and then just as he le is about to leave he goes oh yeah um don't go in the basement. There's definitely mold down there. You'll die if you go down there. And then just like, good night. Like, that's <laughs> such a weird, like, funny moment that it's just like, oh, yeah, it's kind of an in early indicator that grandpa is uh, a forgetful lunatic. But I just love that there is still some of that quirkiness in there. We don't lose that. Um, right. Yeah. Or even if it was like with the camera, obviously, and they start filming people through other people throughout the movie. Everybody that sees the camera has to tell them like, oh, I used to want to be an actor, like the train porter, yeah. the doctor. Um, so like little moments like that, again, it kind of helps to instill his kind of humor that he is so clearly a fan of. Um, there, there was a couple of moments where I was just like, especially with like the rapping with the kid, like early on, I thought it was kind of cute and funny, but um, I think it was a little overdone in terms of like how much is how much of it is in the back end of the movie because like the humor early on for the first half when you're still kind of figuring out what's going on even though i mean we pretty much know the the twist even if you don't know the particulars you know hey grandma and grandpa seem to be pretty fucking nuts <laughs> but uh that's a nightmare yeah <laughs> but i guess i'll jump into it now because it's in the credits but then we'll backtrack a little bit the film ends with them filming another video and then it's Tyler like rapping about the experience of what happened. And that scene bummed me out in a way because it kind of undercuts a lot of the tension and the drama that was in that finale. It's almost like it portrays them as being like over this traumatic as fuck event that happens that would shake them yeah. to their core. So I thought it was kind of strange that M. Night Shyamalan decided to depict them as like, oh, you know, that was just another weekend. That was just 
that was weird. I'm glad we we're done with that. Whereas those kids would probably be fucking traumatized <laughs> for the rest right. of their life. Yeah, if, I don't think you would be rapping about that after you experience such Making, a such a thing. Light yeah. about having shit shoved in your face. Right. Yeah, that was a rough. That's a rough scene, by the yeah. way. And the fact that Tyler is germaphobic <laughs> that probably makes it even worse. But yeah, I think yeah, you're you're kind of right in that sense that like it kind of just got brushed over. Like you said, it was just like another weekend. Mm -hmm. And it didn't seem like the kids were trauma as traumatized as they should be. Because I feel like if they experience what they experience and like it, get, it gets pretty bad. And it's like, especially with Becca, I feel like she probably would have been more traumatized. Like would have been like, dude, don't talk about this. Like I still still struggling to, to like wrap this around my head. And like in that sense, you know, it's like it just yeah, it, it kind of it like peaked up in the end. And then with that extra scene at the end with him rapping kind of like went downhill a little bit. I could definitely see that. Um, yeah, it's just like... It was just a strange note. Just, Again, like, if he was going to make... Yeah. I don't know if I want to call it a mistake, but he decided... He ends the film in a way I don't agree with, but at the same yeah. time, I'm glad that he decided to make that poor decision, in my opinion, at the end of the movie, right? It's yeah. not... No, he yeah. didn't insert that, like, three-fourths of the way through where they're hiding in a cupboard, and Tyler breaks <laughs> out the camera. He's like, Grandma's hiding outside with a knife or some shit like that, like... I'm yeah. glad that at least if it's going to be a, a part of the film and pop up, I'm glad it was in the last 30 seconds of the movie. But I mean, mm -hmm. the other side of the coin in terms of the actors in this film are the grandparents. And we have uh, Nana and yeah, Nana and Pop-Up, who are played by uh, Anna Dunnigan and Peter McRobbie, who play the grandparents. And uh, they were two of the most terrifying performances I think I've seen, not only <laughs> yeah. in a found footage film, but just in grandparent grandparent horror i think i just created a subgenre but grandparent <laughs> horror in general what did you think of them yeah i think their performance is great especially with uh deanna i think her she like that role of playing the crazy grandma fits like she, i think she did an amazing job she freaked me out like her, just the, the i guess i don't know if it has to do with the makeup there's the style that the way she portrayed herself as a character she just like you, it seemed like you can never know what's going on in her brain. Like there's just like, it will go zero to a hundred real quick. And you're just like, what the hell is going on? Like why? And then Papa, it just seems like his character, Peter, who plays Papa, is just like, you think he's calm and he kind of like get a grip on him. And then you realize he's crazier than yeah. you think. Like in the beginning, you realize, oh, he might be the most normal out of both grandparents. But then near like as the movie progresses, you can tell that like, he's you start noticing that he's crazier than I'd expect him to be. And it's kind of scary how crazy he is. I think he ends up being scarier than she is because he's yeah. able to hide it. You know, right. he's just as fucking crazy as she is, if not more so. But he's able to blend in kind of in plain sight. And I mean, again, like they're both of them I think are fantastic because they start out as these kind of just oddball grandparents. But then you see them progressively become crazier and crazier and you can't explain away those red flags after a certain point. But I like, again, you have, that's what is so great about the duo of them, right? Grandma does some crazy shit and then grandpa comes along and he is able to explain it more or less. I don't know yeah. if it's always the best explanation that the kids should believe, but at the same time, he is able to be the complete opposite of her where he's able to play it calm and straight most of the time. Whereas she is like running around naked and vomiting on the floor in the middle of the night yeah. uh, and all these super aggressive red flags. 
but yeah. I mean, yeah, I was just, I was so terrified by both of them. And especially <laughs> oh my God, yeah. not only the grandmother, because again, she is very much like the physically terrifying person. She's the one. Seems like she's, she's the one that has a hard time controlling yes. his problem. That's, I think that's what's scary about her. Like even off straight off the bat, like in the first, I think first day that they're there, they're playing hide and seek under the house. And it's like, the grandma comes out of nowhere and she's like, I'm going to get you. And I'm like, what? And she's crawling really fast. Like, I don't know if it was CGI or what they did, but I don't know. That whole scene just creeped me the fuck out. Never playing under a house ever. That scene is legitimate nightmare fuel. And yeah. even on a revisit, that was one of those scenes where like, I was fucking terrified. And I don't really, yeah. you know, I mean, I watch a lot of horror movies and some of them are scary and whatnot, but that scene legitimately fucking terrified me. This idea of just like, like a player three has entered the game out of nowhere. This idea that she's <laughs> right, just yeah. like, and it's not even like, oh, I can see her coming or I hear her coming. It's, I hear like scratching and they turn around and you can just see part of her. It's not even like yeah. grandma is all the way out under there. It's just like, I just see a piece of her hair or I see one of her feet scurrying. I mean, fuck, it's, it's just, so it's creepy. so creepy. <laughs> yeah. And it, again, to have something in terms of this film and how low button, not low budget, but it's just in compared to the budget of his other films and kind of the scope yeah. and effects heavy scares that he has in his other films. And this isn't a detriment to his other films. It's more showing like M Knight was able to pull back from the 50, 60, 70 million dollar budget movies he was making. He made a five million dollar movie that has one of the scariest scenes I think he's ever made in it. And I mean, that's and there's so many little moments like that throughout the film that I mean, it's it's really a remarkable film in his kind of portfolio that, I mean, just in talk, in revisiting it and then talking about it with you, I mean, I, it's it's so well done. Yeah, I think I think that's why, to me, that's why I think it's one of his better movies because of like, well, first of all, he has, after having this break of from the last movie he made, The Village in 04 to like, was it 2014 this came 15. out? 15, so it's like almost 10 years. It's like, him getting back to his like in in those 10 years he made these crappy movies i'm sure he wasn't in fully control of the whole movie but now he's kind of back to full control and you get to see what he's capable of doing when he's control he's directing he's producing he's really involved into the movie and i think it just shows how like his potential it could be better like i'm i'm hoping that in the future he makes more of this kind of movie because i think the fact that this movie's so grounded and to me it just comes out to be so realistic that it kind of gives you a creep like this could actually happen unlike you know uh, i don't know i haven't seen lady in the water but i saw the trailer for mm -hmm. it and it just doesn't seem almost in the fantasy world yeah. this is i think this movie creeps me out because it's very possible that that could happen like this could be your grandparents you, you don't even know yeah like, that's very true yeah. and i think that's very telling especially for me the older i get the types of movies yeah. that scare me more are the ones that are grounded, right? I still enjoy monster yeah. movies. I still enjoy creature features. I still enjoy all those things that I used to scare the fuck out of me when I was a kid. But the movies that really scare me now are these ones that are so grounded. And not to keep using Hereditary as an example, because that movie's nothing like this, but there's a scene in Hereditary where, where the boy is looking up into the air because his mother's levitating and she's cutting her head off and it's very disturbing. But then the scariest part of that movie for me is when the camera cuts and there's like three naked cultists in the corner and yeah. the woman just waves at him and he screams. That's the scariest part of the movie for me. And Absolutely, that's the yeah. most grounded part of that movie that gets very supernatural very quickly. 
But again, like it's very telling that in one of my favorite films that gets supernatural, that little kind of grounded moment that could really fucking happen. It just, it speaks to, I don't know if it's, if it's just cause I'm getting older and like the world and people ter- terrify me <laughs> more than any monster could. Yeah. But it's very telling again that with this movie, this being his most grounded movie, you can really start to put yourself in the kid's shoes in a way that you would not be able to if at some point like grandma starts levitating or grandpa turns into a demon or something like that. I feel like, yeah, the older you get, you kind of start thinking like monsters aren't as scary as you think they are. And then you realize like people themselves are more scary than these monsters with like deformed faces or big hands and claws and nails and stuff. But yeah, that's, I think, I think for me, this movie is definitely up there. One of the scariest and it's not like, I mean, there's pop-up scenes where they like the grandma jumps at you and stuff like that. But, and, and this, it's not like really like frightening scary, but it's scary because they're actually human beings that like we were saying, like we've been talking about like how they're, it's realistic. Like that could be your grandparents and you don't even know it. The scene where they hear the scratching outside and they open the door and the grandmother's just butt naked. They're scratching the wall. That scene is so much scarier than if they're like you said, if there's a monster there with the big claws yeah. and fangs and stuff, even if it had like a fucked up face, it's just like, that is something that could really happen. Will that ever happen to you? Probably not, but there is a percentage chance where you're just like, damn, what if that happens next time I go to grandma and grandpa's? Like yeah. this is some plausible you're shit. Definitely question this is it some plausible sure. yeah. shit sometimes. And it might yeah. have you looking at your grandparents' place a little differently, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. to your point though, there are one or two moments where it's kind of jump scare oriented, where the grandmother like jumps mm-hmm. in front of the camera and screams. Yeah, That's one of those scares that I'm not crazy about. It's just kind of like, that's what you would expect from a modern horror movie. Right. But again, yeah. like the way that he is able to reel that back and not have that be every single scare in the movie, it speaks mm-hmm. to somebody that has been priming for the opportunity to make a horror movie without other people getting involved and uh, kind of just, I don't know, getting in the way of what he's trying to do because he's very right. intentional with everything he does and the pacing in this movie is so well done, I think, in terms of the scares, the drama with the kids in the documentary and then seeing grandma and grandpa kind of uh, devolve. What did you think yeah. though about having the two antagonists being elderly people. What did you think about that? Because that, because again, even if it wasn't like, even if it was grandma and grandpa, they didn't have to be nearly as old, I think, as they were. You think that yeah. like age plays a factor into this idea of the scares working as well as they did? I think it is because people, when people think of older people, they think of innocent. Like I, I would think somewhat innocent, they wouldn't do that. Like they're fine. Like they're nice people. I think for me, it, it does affect the movie because I feel like if it was just like a middle-aged dad and and a mom or whatever I would be like yeah I could see them being psycho and crazy like that but the fact that it's like your grandparents like come on like everybody loves their grandparents like you would think they're the grandparents are always the innocent people you that's the last thing you would expect to have a crazy grandparent I don't know for me that that definitely like like I said if it was someone in middle age like I don't know someone in the 30s like I feel I could definitely see it, but the fact that it's grandparents and they're older and they seem very, they're, I mean, they're very elderly looking. Um, I think that's what kind of makes it even creepier. There was definitely a few moments, I was surprised on a rewatch because there was definitely a few moments where I started kind of like picking up on little things that I didn't really the first time in terms of M. Night Shyamalan presents them as being somewhat sympathetic to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like there's the couple scenes that kind of stood out to me were 
the one where Grandpa starts getting dressed up for a costume party, and yeah. the, and uh, Becky has to kind of remind him like, hey, I think you're a little mixed up right now. There's that moment. There's a moment where he's like super paranoid about a guy outside, and the guy is just some random guy. He thinks yeah. that he's watching him, and then of course there's the scene where the grandmother like tries to strangle herself with the scarf, oh, or yeah. she walks in on Grandpa in the shed with like a gun in his mouth. Those moments that are like they're. They range from sympathetic to like, hey, there's a big fucking problem going on. And right. I feel like those moments were service to kind of be misdirects in terms of like the kid's portrayal of what's happening. I don't know why I didn't think of this the first time I saw the movie, but I was kind of wondering if they were misdirects to kind of challenge the viewer to be like, are these grandparents really weird or are they just people like old people? Are they just suffering from certain ailments and ailments that the elderly deal with on a, on a recurring basis, the older and older you get. So I didn't, I don't know. Those scenes stood out to me a lot more on a rewatch. That That's a good point that you make now that I didn't even think about that, but now, yeah, like I guess in a way he's trying to have you kind of think about it, whether they're actually crazy or they actually just kind of like, they're not fully there. Like now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, you really, you realize I kind of feel bad. Like he has those moments where you're really feeling bad for the, for them. Cause it's like, they're really kind of losing their memory and their mind in a sense. But at the same time, like deep down inside, they have this darkness inside of them. That's very creepy. So it's like, it's, I think it's a great balance now, now that I think about it, it's like between feeling bad for their grandparents, but at the same time, there's a darkness in there that's like, it's coming for you and it's creepy. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I think, I think he did a great job now that I, I didn't even pick it up in, in, in that scene, especially the scene where the, where the grandpa's like, he's like put the gun in his mouth and he's about to, blow his head off but he's like oh i'm just cleaning yeah. don't worry like i'm like holy shit like that's that's a very dark scene and becca's like grandpa are you okay like she kind of brushes it off like oh he was actually cleaning it but like like i guess she, her young mind didn't think of it about that and it's like being an adult and watching that scene you're like holy shit he was about to kill himself and he kind of like brushed that off but yeah i think that's a great humor he used can't miss like discredit their mental illness because even if they yeah. aren't trying to kill the kids up until a certain point, there's still an illness there and it's very apparent. It's just not targeting the kids for the entire movie, right? So mm -hmm. it's this idea yeah. that, hey, these two people are 100% mentally ill. That's not a facade. The, we, mm -hmm. We'll get into the, the real facade in a minute that they're putting on. But I mean, up until a certain point, the kids are never really in a legitimate danger. If anything, yeah. the grandparents themselves are more danger to themselves up until a certain point. But That's obviously true. the culmination of all of these red flags is like the biggest red flag of all, which is the <laughs> twist of the movie. Um, compared yeah. to M. Night Shyamalan's other twists, how does this one hold up for you? I think this is still the most craziest one out of all. I think even uh, the village, village was up there. That's kind of crazy. But I think this one is by far for me his his greatest twist i would say absolutely yeah so the big twist yeah. being obviously they finally clean off the uh the laptop camera and show the mother the grandparents and the mother's like you've been staying with those people the whole time and they're like yeah and she's just like those aren't your grandparents so clearly yeah. these are just the two lunatics that escaped from the uh the mental hospital that's in town and then came to the yeah. house and killed the grandparents and something that i didn't pick up the first time was that the lunatics they um, they seeked out their grandparents specifically to kill. Oh, I really? didn't realize that the first time I watched the movie. Wow. I thought it was just 
hey, they escaped and they went to a house and they killed two people yeah. that, that they knew, but I didn't know that they were targeting them. So you pick up on that in the dialogue between the grandfather and, well, the fake grandfather and Becky, when she's in the basement and she finds her real grandparents' bodies in the basement and the grandfather oh, says shit. like, oh, we, we, um, your grandparents told us about you guys. And then the oh. fake grandmother, I guess, really killed her children. And so oh, the grandfather then is like, well, that was very unfair of her to tell us about that because now we want your children. And so they oh, wanted no to shit. kind of reenact drowning the kids because that was the fascination with the, uh, with the well. Right. That's Oh, that would make sense. Oh, shit. I completely missed that. Fucking yeah, I missed Jesus. that the first time around, too. What? But uh, the grandfather has that creepy as fuck line where the grandmother is talking about like another planet and aliens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the grand. Yeah, she's telling the story. Yeah, and yeah. then the grandfather is just like, and the, when he's in the basement, he says something to the effect of like, oh, uh, you're, you're going to go visit her children on that other planet and then kind of like lunges at her. Oh, and like fuck. that line fucking, as soon as I realized that that was yeah. their intention like the connection whew, yeah that line hit different that's for wild me. oh my god yeah that's crazy i didn't man i can't believe i missed that whole that whole scene but now that would make sense of she would tell that story uh about the planet and the aliens uh, i don't know that's that's crazy yeah i, I to me the twist is kind of wild to think about that like and the whole time i was thinking i'm like yeah it i think it was a good cover up the fact that the mother never really talked to the grandparents because Obviously, they would have. She would have noticed as soon as they had like a webcam session and be like, "Yeah, that's not your grandparents." But the fact that the grandma ended up like destroying the camera on the laptop that fit perfectly in there, and then later on figuring out that that's not your actual grandparents is—I think it's the craziest thing ever. I would have never think of doing such crazy thing. I and know. I love that when the twist is revealed, it's not like ten minutes later the movie's over. There's probably a good no, twenty yeah. minutes where after the twist is revealed, and the plot doesn't kind of just like explode after the twist. So it does obviously ramp up to the big conclusion, but there is still a few minutes where they're together with the grandparents and the grandparents are holding up that, keeping the facade going that they're the actual grandparents, right? And that culminates into a game of Yahtzee, which oh, that's a I mean, crazy scene that's too. one of my favorite yeah. scenes because the facade yeah. is breaking apart. The grandparents haven't said like who they really are yet, but you can see, obviously, now, like, they are get they start ramping themselves up. They start arguing. The grandfather starts talking about the uh, the cafeteria. He was a champion in the cafeteria, yeah. and she's like, "What cafeteria? What are you talking about?" And then he starts uh, accusing her of not following the rules. And then the daughter, the Becky, is like, uh, "Yeah, that company hasn't made the game for like forty years or something like that." And yeah. it's just the foundation of this entire lie that they've crafted their identities around is falling apart and everybody knows it nobody is saying anything about it though right yeah the whole room it just seems you can feel the intensity i feel like that that scene for me it's the breaking point for the grandparents where like you really get to see how crazy they are because they if it seems to me like the grandma is the least one that could hold her true emotions of craziness but the grandpa you really or papa you really get to see him kind of like at that point he's like i can't hold this emotion back like he's really just losing it and like really just let himself go to the point where he's like you hear his stomach rumbling and he gets up because he like shit himself <laughs> and it's like he's it's and it gets very awkward and then the grandma i don't know where just grabs yeah. and start crunching it munching i thought that was one of the creepy 
yeah, she's it's one of the creepiest scenes because just the way she's eat, she's literally like biting them off like on the spot, like literally just tearing through two cookies at a time. And it's just so creepy how crazy she looks. I think her performance, Diana's performance is amazing at that. Like for me, I was like, holy shit, this lady is insane. Like she's just like eating two cookies at the same time as fast as she can. And it's like playing. And then like, I guess she like shakes the, the die in the cup and then she like slams it down or whatever. And then she stares at the camera and screams. That freaked yeah. me out so much. I think that was probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Definitely, yeah. I mean, the grandparents do such a fantastic job of selling their version of crazy, right? Like yeah. They serve two very different purposes in terms of the levels of crazy, and yet they never break from that. Like the grandmother, mm -hmm. even though she does have sort of brief moments of clarity, it never feels like she's acting. She very much is yeah. embodying this person that is like 15% there, and then 85% is just like about to snap at anything. And I mean, they carry that so well throughout the movie that if I really, this movie, as as much as I applaud M. Night Shyamalan for undertaking this new subgenre and making very grounded scares, if he didn't have this cast, I don't know how well the movie would have worked. Because the yeah. like, I think the kids do a great job, but it really is all about the grandparents. Because if you did not pick the two best people for that role, the scares completely fall apart. And whether it's yeah. because of the way that they were able to dress them up or the way that just the actors themselves portray it, it, they do such a fantastic job that, I mean, like you said, they're old people. So people are like, oh, I would never expect them to do that. But it's so much more than that because they embody yeah. the different facilities of crazy that their characters need to in such a way that it plays off really well against one another. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the fact that I don't know if it's maybe the way the car the the actors are, but they look so innocent that even in the beginning of the movie, you're like, yeah, they're crazy, but they're innocent. Like they're grandparents, they have issues and they have mental problems. But then you realize it's not really that they're innocent; they're just insane. And it's like that ending, even the scene where I think um, she's yelling at the camera, and then it, it switches off to her holding her hand over her. I think she's standing on top of the table in the in the living room, and she's like looking at the camera, staring into it, and like holding her hand over her head. Yeah, it was some weird like puppet kind of thing. I was like, Jesus, it's so creepy. And then like the, the grandpa comes out of the background and kind of like, let's go, I think, or, or something like that. But or she, yeah, the grandpa's like taking her to the room, and that's right before Becca gets locked into them, which is also another yeah. nightmare on its own. That's a terrifying being stuck scene. Stuck in a room, yeah, being stuck in a room with a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I don't know. I just feel like that that adds more to, I've a childhood nightmare that would be it would be a worst case scenario for a kid to be locked in and i like how they very purposefully make the grandparents two different levels of crazy because then that plays out mm -hmm. very differently in the end right it's not yeah the grandfather doesn't mimic what the grandmother's doing the grandmother scene is very much kind of like this possessed exorcist scene where she's crawling around on the floor or she's staring right at the girl and the girl's like oh fuck, i don't want to look at her and then looks back and she's yeah. moved again a little bit but then the grandfather downstairs is being a dickhead to the kid and he's telling him and again <laughs> yeah. it's it speaks to how much more sinister i think the grandfather mm -hmm. is because yeah. the grandmother is out of her fucking gourd she has no idea what and she's everybody doing knows yeah. That. yeah everybody knows that yeah, everybody knows but the grandfather he is able to the facade that he's the grandfather falls away and yet he's completely cognizant of everything he's doing he's almost like the mastermind in, in this sense like he really is i feel like he's the most organized and he has everything under control but he also has a weird like problem in his head where it's like he's having a hard time controlling his bladder and his stomach he keeps shitting himself and 
it's like i feel yeah to me it adds so much more to him his character the fact that he is the mastermind behind this the grandma is so crazy beyond the point of she has no control but the grandpa still has enough control to where he can direct where this whole movie goes basically in the sense of where the whole plan is going well the way that he tries to terrorize the boy too is so personal and it it's yeah. i mean before he shoves a diaper full of shit in his face he's like oh you're the one that doesn't like germs right and then he shoves it in his face yeah. whereas oh. the grandmother is so out of her mind she's just trying to hurt the girl but it's not yeah it there is a uh, there's not the personalness to it right it's not like mm -hmm. she's exposing a weakness of becca's whereas the grandfather is like hey that kid doesn't like germs i'm gonna put the nastiest thing yeah. ever in his face and so yeah that to me just speaks to like his character being 100 not only like the architect of what's going on but just mm -hmm. his ability to kind of like hide in plain sight i'm just an old man grandfather don't worry about yeah. me your grandmother's crazy but in reality he has the cognitive ability that she does not have anymore to kind of like right. hide in plain sight. Right. Yeah, I feel like now that you bring that up that about the grandpa, I feel like, so there's a scene where um, Tyler, he runs out of tissue in the bathroom and he's like freaking out. And I think maybe the oh. grandpa stuck the tissues under the under the bath or whatever, the sink. I think that might be playing onto that scene of like seeing how he reacts maybe. That's or, a good point. Or just kind of like starting to tr uh, torment him in a mm -hmm. way, which I think, I think now that you bring that up, it definitely Kind of hit me i was like that could be the grandpa that or he said he ran out of tissues or someone got rid, uh, took the tissues or something mm -hmm. and i think it was the grandpa that probably set that up that's it just to see just a torment i him. didn't even think of that that's that's really good yeah i guess that could be him kind of starting to destabilize tyler and just yeah. being and exposing the fact that hey he hates germs and he washes his hands 15 times a day and i yeah. mean we all do that now because of covid but i mean back then it was right. kind of strange um, <laughs> so I wanted to mention a couple criticisms that I had. I wanted to get your take mm -hmm. on them. Um, the big one is that the film has so many red flags that the kids never address or they kind of like talk them away. There's so many warning signs early on that something yeah. is going on. And between Becca and Tyler, they start arguing about it. Like Tyler is very much like, hey, that's kind of weird that like they're behaving like that. And that scares me a little bit. Becca, yeah. the whole time is just like, oh, they're just old people. She kind of just talks right. away a lot of them. I'm curious, did you think that that was a little, they did that too many, they kind of reverted to that too many times in terms of her being in denial of all these red flags? Or do you think it's just one of those movies you kind of like have to have a big uh, suspension of disbelief at times? Um, well, there's that scene where they're um, talking to the mom and she's a, she's like a dancing thing and she's like, and Tyler is telling him, yeah, grandpa's grandpa and grandma are acting weird and she kind of elbows him. I feel like that that moment, it's like in that scene, I feel like Becca's really just trying to like not stress out mom because of the whole they their father, their relationship, they broke up, they separated, whatever, they divorced. Um, I think she's kind of like, Yeah, we can work this out, don't have to worry about us. Um, but yeah, I think in a sense, like they really did try to like push that, like kind of get like glimpse over like forget about that like they're fine it's just being grandpa but in a sense there's certain times where i was like yeah maybe they should have just told the mom it would have they probably would have kind of um gotten over this whole thing but at the same time though like you think about it like the mom hasn't seen the grandpas and the grandparents in 15 years i think 10 to 15 years or something like that um and it's like the grandpa's good, good crazy and he she doesn't care about it her her parents um 
yeah in a sense there were certain scenes where i'm just like yeah maybe they should have just told the mom they could have maybe this whole thing could have been avoided but overall i thought i thought it was a pretty good balance of things but yeah the last last criticism uh 9 is slow as fuck in pennsylvania it, yeah, the, it takes that, just takes the cops forever to get there no, that that that's definitely a criticism. I think that, that was that's very bad. That was one of those things where it was just like, oh, come on, really? Like, you, yeah, you constructed this entire thing so well, and then you kind of have this lazy trope of like, oh, the police will be there, but it's going to be a while, and it's just like, yeah, okay, like, no, yeah, they definitely going to revert back to that. On, yeah, they could have worked on that because I feel like I'm sure nowadays, even if you're in bumfuck nowhere, middle nowhere. Um, I'm sure the cops wouldn't take four hours or whatever because right. they they called. I think they would have called during the day or they were talking to the mom and the mom's like, yeah, I'm gonna get in contact with them. And it's like all of a sudden there's no one at the station. It's like, come on, there's there's always someone there. Right. Like, yeah, that's definitely that's a valid criticism. I'd say that 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 shit won't fly. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not in 2015. No, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I guess I already mentioned it, but just like ending the movie with the rap that. Yeah, that kind of just like addresses the fact that we just endured this traumatic event, and yet we're mm-hmm. very—we just seem to be so over it. And it was just like yeah. oh, you just undercut so much of the tension. And I mean, it, the film could end on a dour note. It doesn't have to be a happy ending. Like, yeah, they survived, but right. you're kind of just compounding trauma at this point. Like, these kids are never going to be able to trust anybody again. Yeah, and maybe that—that's the message that you end on. This idea that like we need to kind of preserve the uh the sanctity of kids like you can't put adults around them that are going to put them in harm and this would be like the ultimate allegory for that right this idea that oh the last person that would ever hurt these kids is the first person to hurt them in this movie um so that really bugged me in a way that's i mean i guess that ending is indicative of the fact that m night Shyamalan made three cuts of this movie he did oh a straight up horror cut he did a straight up comedic cut and then the third cut is the actual movie where it's a blend of the two um so i would wonder what the difference is between yeah i guess the it would just be that they remove all of those different uh qualities in the films and then so you've got one that's 100 horror with no humor one that is i guess a comedy that is about the kids trying to survive the grandparents and then the the third one is that that it's the merger of the two yeah That'd be that'd be weird. The comedy one would just be weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not crazy yeah. about horror comedies to begin with, so that would probably yeah. not do it for me. I think that that ending scene, though, for me, I feel like had they just ended the kid when the kids got picked up by the mom, I would have left me with the thought of like I would have kept in mind like I don't know. I feel like I would replay that like that whole movie out in my head. But the fact that they ended on a good scene, it kind of like kills the end, like the vibe of the moment, like the moment itself. It's like shit these kids have been through trauma and it's like let's just throw some comedy in there to kind of forget about this trauma it's kind of like it killed me it, at least for me it killed the like the horror like moment of after movie after a movie you watch a horror movie you always think about oh my like what did i just watch kind of thing for me it killed that whole moment of me thinking about the movie afterwards absolutely because like the humor throughout the movie it's very purposeful right it's always to follow up a horror scene or it's there to kind of act as a misdirect right this idea that like grandma asked her to get in the oven that's a tense scene and then nothing happens the first time so it's like okay that was kind of funny because of how weird it was and but Mm -hmm. that serves a purpose for the build-up to the next time when grandma actually does fucking slam that lid shut and she's like oh i gotta clean the handle for some reason with you inside 
But I mean, to end the movie on that, it, I really do think it undercuts so much of the tension and the horror of that. And like you said, my favorite horror movies are the ones that end, even if the people survive, you're left with the court sort of just like sitting there, just being like thinking about all the horrific shit that happened to them. And for me, that's super affecting for movies that are able yeah. to do that. Movies that you think about for 45 minutes or a month or a week or a week or a month after that, it's like, man, that was really something that I watched. And to end yeah. this on a joke, it's kind of like, it feels like a throwaway. Yeah, the, I feel like the movies that you're kind of thinking about afterwards are the movies that you want to go back and rewatch them just to like really get a full view of everything that really happened. But yeah, like, like we were saying, like I think this movie, that ending scene should have just been left out for the comedy part of the movie yeah. and not for an actual like balance of a movie. I feel like it just ended on a too happy of a moment than it should not have been. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Especially, especially after killing your grandparents, <laughs> I guess, supposedly grandparents. Yeah. Killing two adults would, when you already have like separation trauma from a parent. Yeah. Probably going to fuck you up more. If anything, that's a rough, that's a rough teenage years. <laughs> Those are going to be a rough next 10 years. I would say. Absolutely. Uh, but in wrapping up, were there any, uh, were there any scenes that I skipped over that you wanted to talk about? No, but I did have a, a, a question. I don't know if you got, if you got this scene um, when they were interviewing the dad or the grandpa and um, he was talking about what, how his life was before and he was working and he said he used to work the night shift and he saw a white thing with yellow eyes at night and nobody believed him. I don't know if that was, what do you think of, I don't know if you thought or caught that, but for me, I was trying to figure out like, if there was a mix between him either losing his mind or was that involved in some kind of other M. Night's movie or something? Like, is there, hmm. do you, did that struck you as any anything like could have popped up? Like, cause when, when I saw that scene, they were interviewing, he's like, yeah, I used to work the graveyard shift or the night shift. And at night I used to see a white thing run by with yellow eyes. So I was thinking the whole time I'm like, I'm waiting for this white thing with yellow eyes to pop up mm -hmm. in the movie, but it never really did. So I don't know if that was just like kind of added suspense that they wanted to, he wanted to add in I, there. You know, I think it might be M. Night Shyamalan kind of like making a comment on mental illness maybe. Because if you oh, think about it, like the grandfather is what, 70 years old in the movie? Yeah. Like back when he was in his early 20s, the stigma yeah. surrounding mental illness was very different nowadays. They allowed people to be in the workplace and talk about ghosts and shit, and they didn't fire them or get yeah. them help immediately. So right. that kind of speaks to this idea that people didn't take him seriously. Whereas now, if you go to work one day and a coworker starts talking about seeing ghosts and they say it more than once, yeah. like, gonna gonna try to get that person yeah. some help because that sounds like they're going yeah. through something that they can't handle themselves. Right. So in that regard, I think it was more just him saying like, Hey, grandpa didn't just turn crazy. Grandpa has had was, some serious mental yeah. illness issues and he's learned how to hide them, right? Whereas grandma right. ended up in the same facility as him and yet she's not able to she hide it at all. She was probably right. in there for 70 years or however old she is. She probably was in there for all these years. Whereas grandpa, he might not have been in there for as long because he learned how to hide it somewhat. No, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, now that you bring that up, yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. No, I just thought I was I was thinking maybe there was some kind of hidden thing because I, I was just reading through my notes that I took while I was watching and I realized that that scene, I, I don't know why I specifically wrote that with a little star on it just to bring it up later on. But I thought I would, now that I think about it, I would have, I guess I would have taken the movie to a whole nother 
dimension, I guess, if in that sense there was a ghost with yellow eyes or whatever it was that he, I think he described it as, as a white figure with yellow eyes. Um, but it would it would definitely take it out there. But yeah, that's, I guess that's a good point that the fact that the grandpa has had these symptoms for most of his life, if not all of it, and he's kind of been able to hide it, that would probably fit better. Yeah, and, in, in the and I'm glad that they didn't introduce a supernatural element just because it would yeah. have been too jarring, I think, with the grounded nature of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't. I think if they start introducing supernatural stuff, the back end of the movie would, for me, would probably not be nearly as scary as it was just because yeah. the movie is set up as being grounded for the whole movie until that moment. So yeah. I don't think it would have been the best yeah. fit. I think the, gra- the, yeah, the grandma would have lost her craziness. I think yeah. her scariness would have died out real quick had there been some supernatural thing. Cause it's like, it's no longer her being crazy. It's her being possessed by whatever it right. is. Yeah. But yeah, overall, yeah, that was just my last little comment. I thought, yeah, no. And maybe, maybe you had picked it up or something. Yeah. I, I missed something. I think that the visit, even on a rewatch, when you kind of know the twist again, it shows M Knight's able to craft these movies that are not, they don't exist just for the twist. He's able to mm-hmm. craft tension and character involvement and engagement in a way that the twist, whether you like a twist in one of his movies or not, it doesn't kind of discredit the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie yeah. is constructed so well that whether there was that big twist in the end or not, like it doesn't really matter because the movie is still scary and tense and emotional and you're invested in these kids. And so even if there wasn't a twist and it was just like they're old people in a house, like the movie is still terrifying in a lot of ways that yeah. I don't even think his other movies are as scary, to be honest. Like the ones that we've mm-hmm. done previously, I enjoy yeah. Signs, I enjoy The Village. Those are not really scary movies to me. They're entertaining. Yeah, they're. Yeah. I mean, you enjoy them for a lot of different reasons, and right. like they yeah. have creepy moments, but those are not movies that are going to keep me awake at night. Whereas <laughs> this movie, legitimately, just a few nights ago, I was like, "Damn, I really got to go to sleep," and I hope Grandma's not on my bed type shit. Like <laughs> yeah. that scene is yeah, terrifying it's... in a way that yeah, I don't think any of his other movies, with the exception of Sixth Sense, which we haven't watched yet, um, has mm. been so. And I'm glad that you suggested that we revisit the visit. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I think it's got, I, I hope that if he makes movies in the future, I I personally enjoy the twist because you're, you're expecting something else. And then out of left field, something completely different just comes into scene and you're just like, what the hell? I really, I personally enjoy movies with the, this kind of twist. And I hope that his future movie, he keeps making these. Cause I mean, at least for me, I'm all for it. Cause I, I mean, it's great even like with um the village and even those kind of twists i i just enjoy it because i feel like movies get so repetitive nowadays that's like i don't know i just feel like it kind of loses their their scariness or their craziness unlike this movie like yeah your grandparents are crazy but wait they're not your grandparent there's some psycho people that escaped out of the loony house and i just think i i hope he makes another good movie yeah <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm excited for his new movie that he just announced uh, the other day, which is old. I think it's just called Old. Yeah. But there's a crazy uh, poster that they revealed for it where it's an hourglass, but then instead of sand, it's like people inside the hourglass. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. I mean, it, lo- I it looks it. wild, but they just started filming the other day. So we're probably two years or more out. But I mean, yeah. just from the poster itself, it seems to indicate like, I mean, his movies have always had good tri- uh, good posters, but 
at the same time, like I'm excited that he can kind of continue the hot streak that he's been on the last few years. Even if mm-hmm. I didn't personally enjoy Glass, I enjoyed yeah, Split. Wasn't. Like what he did with Split, I thought was yeah. had some great moments, and it was much more horror centric than any of his early uh, early 2000s stuff, other than um, The Sixth Sense, which is like his most horror focused movie. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed revisiting uh, The Visit, which is definitely a strong contender for one of my favorite uh, found footage films. But again, man, it's always yeah. great having you on to chat horror. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.